Hey, I'm glad you're here. We're going to just jump right into our teaching this morning. Uh, Today is a big day. This is the culmination of a short three-week series that we've been in, and we're talking about empowered people fishing. Empowered people fishing. And I've been asking the Lord to give us new strategies. Actually, I've been asking the Lord to give us old strategies All the kids team leaders are waving at me because I forgot to send the kids out. Kids, your teachers are ready for you. Thank you for the reminder. And I also forgot the offering baskets. If you are on the right side of a row, would you reach down and grab the basket and pass those down? And our team will pick them up. Can you tell I'm a little excited about what I'm talking about today? I really am. Now I'm going to have to start all over. Today is the culmination of a short three-week message series that, that we're talking about empowered people fishing. I've been asking the Lord for some strategies for how we can reach people better. I've just become aware in the last few, the last few years that some of the strategies that, that Christians in America have been employing have not been working very well. Strategies like Shaming and condemning people. Not working very well. Probably because we're living in the time of the favor of the Lord and God wants us to invite people into his favor. Have you thought about that before? Uh, I think some of our strategies aren't working because we've forgotten that when people come to Jesus, they get healed. And that's so exciting, it's a good message. So I, I feel like the Lord has given me these three strategies that we've been talking about he, he, he's given me the strategy of loving people well through the power of the Holy Spirit, through prophesying to people through the power of the Holy Spirit, and listening to people well through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have not gotten this from a book. I haven't gotten this from some seminar that I went to. I've been in the secret place with the Lord asking God to give us strategies. And, and so uh, I, I, I just want to tell you, I feel like this is a word from the Lord for Connect Church for this season. And I hope you'll take these things and, and run with them. Love, prophecy, listening. And, and I think what we're going to find today as I wrap this up with this last week Uh, what you're going to see today is that these three things are interconnected. They're interconnected. People will feel loved when we listen to them instead of just telling them what they're doing wrong. Does that make sense? People will be open to hearing a word from the Lord when they feel loved by us and by extension loved by God. And and these three... These three things, I believe, are so interconnected that we can't have one without the other. And so I'm so excited to share with you today some some observations and some thoughts about listening well so that we can put this together into a package and we can love people well and share with them the good news that this is the day of God's favor. All we have to do is say yes to Jesus. So that's where we're going today. I firmly believe, and and really this was the beginning of my journey of of thinking about these things, I believe that when people come to Jesus, 
they experience his power to be healed. I've read this, this verse to you every week for the last six weeks or seven weeks, I think, and one more time, I have to read this to you because it's so compelling. From Luke chapter six, all these people came to listen to the word so that they could be healed of their diseases and set free from demonic powers. This is the vision Jesus is giving us is that people will be healed and set free from demonic powers. The entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus to touch him to receive healing because a tangible supernatural power emanated from him and healed all who came close to him. We have an awesome opportunity this week to minister to people in the power of the love of Jesus, and that's at Catapalooza this coming Friday. Catapalooza is, is an event in which MSU welcomes students into the community. We're going to have a booth there at Catapalooza. And, and I, I just think it would be amazing if a bunch of incoming MSU students encountered the power of Jesus and got healed. Can you imagine how the word would spread on the campus if somebody got miraculously healed in some fashion? And so our vision for this week is that connectors, those of you that are going to be on the campus this week, I want you to be empowered. Get it? There you go. All right. And I want to say thank you this morning. I want to say thank you to those of you that have joined me in fasting for these three weeks. Um, I shared with you at the outset of this that fasting is not easy for me. I don't feel like I've ever been successful at fasting, but it's been two weeks now. I'm not doing a total fast. I'm fasting lunches, but I feel like my experience these two weeks has been different than any fasting experience I've ever had before. I've been in the presence of the Lord. I've been hearing him speak. I've been discovering truths from the scripture. He's taking me on a spiritual journey um, it's been awesome. And thank you to all of you that have been fasting in some fashion with me. Uh, I shared with you last week, we've got kids even that are fasting from video games, if you can imagine. And Jesus is speaking. You don't have to fast from food. You can fast from anything that just takes time out of your schedule and you replace it with time in the presence of God. That's what we're doing. So five more days this week to fast and ask God to do a powerful work of healing on the MSU campus. All right. I'm tempted to ask you how many of you are with me, but I'm afraid no hands would go up, so it's just a challenge. All right. Okay, let's talk about being empowered to listen this morning. If you're taking notes today, here's the big idea. This is what I want you to walk away with today. Jesus is a great listener. Jesus is a great listener. As I've been walking through the Gospels, well, well, really, the last several years, I've just been taken with the Gospels. These biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels, but really what they are is they are four biographies of the life of Jesus. And, and, and as I've been talking and thinking about listening well, I've been paying attention to how well Jesus listened. Jesus is a great listener. If you've never paid attention to it, I want to invite you to, to read one of those biographies of Jesus and just watch at how well he listens. And today, what we're going to be looking at as we look to the, the scriptures 
is I want to, I want to give you four things today that you can learn from Jesus' example of listening. Uh, if you haven't yet gotten a note card, it might help you to stay on track with me. There's some right up here. There's some back at the, at the counter back there. Four things that we can see from Jesus' example. And then I'm going to wrap up by sharing some tools with you to implement to become an empowered listener. Okay? So four examples from the life of Jesus and then some tools to, to put it into place. You with me? All right. I want to encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning. I'm not going to do a lot of Bible reading because I'm covering huge, huge amounts of Scripture. So I'm going to do a little bit of summarizing, and you might want to open your Bible so you can follow along with me. We're going to start with this principle from Jesus, number one on your notes. Jesus listened to understand. Jesus listened to people intently for the purpose of understanding them and understanding where they were coming from. Where I see this really beautifully illustrated is in the account in John chapter 4. You might want to turn there in your Bible if you've got a Bible with you. John chapter 4. There's this account of Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. Uh, we have used this account so many times in teaching, even recently, but it's one of these significant accounts in the life of Jesus that we come back to again and again and again because there's so much to be learned from how Jesus interacted with this woman at the well. Jesus was traveling through a region in the Holy Land called Samaria. The Samaritan people were a mixed race of Jews and Gentiles, Orthodox Jews, believed that the people had corrupted themselves with intermarriage. Their religion had become corrupted. And so there was this racism that existed in Israel. The, the Jews hated Samaritans, and Samaritans hated Jews. And the tradition was that you don't talk to the people from that other race. Don't interact at all. And as Jesus is traveling through Samaria, he sits down at a well and he immediately engages with a woman who was drawing water and he asked her for a drink and this woman is just completely taken aback because Jews don't talk to Samaritans and furthermore, men don't talk to women. Okay, their society was way different than ours. But you get the picture, right? And, and, and the conversation, I'm not going to read the whole thing. If you don't know the story, please read it. The interaction and the conversation is so interesting because Jesus just leans in to understand her. He'll say something to her. He'll reveal to her some kind of truth. And then what's interesting is she's clearly uncomfortable. She's clearly taken aback. And she just keeps changing the topic. She keeps and, and reversing and redirecting, and the conversation just goes all over the place, and Jesus just lets her lead the conversation. Now, when we're people fishing, I think all too often we feel like we need to lead the conversation. And if we want to be great listeners, and if we want to follow the example of Jesus, I believe that we need to listen to people to understand them. Why? Because when people feel heard, they feel loved. And so before we're ever going to be effective at sharing Jesus with people, 
We've got to listen to their thoughts. We've got to entertain their questions compassionately. And then what we see with Jesus is, is when there was an opportunity, he prophesied to her. There was a lot of listening. There was a lot of compassion, a lot of love. And then finally, Jesus said, here's what I know about you. And the prophecy came. Jesus listened to understand. Here's the second thing I see about Jesus. In terms of listening, Jesus was never thrown by interruptions. Jesus wasn't thrown off by interruptions. Years ago, when I was a very young leader, I attended a pastor's conference uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and the one thing I remember all these years later, the pastor that was in charge of this conference, his name is Tommy Barnett. I think he's still in ministry to this day. And I remember from this conversation, he said, pastors, walk slowly through the crowd. On a Sunday morning, walk slowly through the crowd. And let me tell you, that is not easy. I found myself this morning uh, coming from the back, getting up here. I realized there, the countdown clock had a minute. I didn't have my mic on. I had all these things to do. And I'm racing from the counter to my seat up here. And Liz turns to me and gives me this big grin. And I thought, Russ, walk slowly through the crowd. Give Liz a hug. I gave you a hug. Thank Liz for the, for the deviled eggs she brought me last night. I love deviled eggs. It's so easy when we have an agenda. It's so easy when our lives are so busy. It's so easy to just get thrown by interruptions. And usually what that leads to is we just ignore people. Jesus was never thrown off by interruptions. In Mark chapter 5, if you want to turn there, there's a great account where Jesus, uh, he, he takes his journey across the lake and he's, he's traveling by foot and he's clearly got somewhere to go. But the first thing that happens as soon as he gets off the boat is he's interrupted by this man by the name of Jairus. Jairus had come looking for Jesus because he had a daughter who was lying in bed and she was dying. And he wanted Jesus to come to his home and heal her. Now, I don't really know what Jesus intended to do that day, but instead of going on with whatever his plans were, he said, Jairus, I'll come to your house. And they set off, and Jesus was going to go and minister to this dying girl. And while they're traveling, what happens? Another interruption. This time, it's a woman who has been bleeding for years. And she's very, very sick because of this constant loss of blood. And while Jesus is walking and the crowd is pressing in, she just reaches out and grabs his clothing. And immediately, here's another example of the power of Jesus healing, because power emanated from Jesus. As soon as she touched his clothing, she was healed, and Jesus was aware that there had been a power that went out from him. Now, he had a mission. Jairus' daughter is dying. I've got to get to Jairus' daughter. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't just keep going. He doesn't just ignore this woman. He stops and he engages with this woman. Who touched me? I know that power has gone out of me. What happened? And he compassionately and lovingly ministers to this woman. He wasn't thrown off by now a second interruption. 
And then finally, the story concludes by he, he, he gets word after he interacts with this woman. Uh, a, a person comes and, and has news for Jairus. Don't bother the master because your daughter has died. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And so he goes and he raises her from the dead. It's a challenge for you and me because it's so easy for us to be in a hurry. So easy to be in a hurry. I, I failed this test yesterday. Uh, Chris and I were running some errands and we stopped at the bird store to buy some bird seed because we love to feed the birds. And we were checking out and, and a young man who was new to this store, we shop at this store uh, quite frequently and and there was a, a young man that I didn't know before, and, and he rang us up, took my credit card, and then he said, would you like a fun fact sheet about birds? And I felt anxious to get on with our errands, and I said, no, I'm good. And he said, would you mind listening to a fun fact about birds? So then I'm like, okay, and I'm rolling my eyes a little bit. Tell me a fun fact about birds. And then he told me something all about hummingbirds, and, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we got out of the store and got in the car. And as soon as I got in the car, I thought to myself, I completely missed an opportunity. Because I didn't want to be interrupted by his fun facts about birds. And I was in a hurry. And I looked at Chris and I said, I wish I had said, can I give you a fun fact about birds? Whenever a sparrow falls, God sees it and you're more valuable than sparrows. God gave me an opportunity and I blew it. Dang it. Jesus was never thrown off by interruptions. He always saw an interruption as an opportunity. Always saw an opportunity. Always saw an interruption as an opportunity to heal somebody. Okay, here's the third thing I see in Jesus' life. So cool. This one's so important to me. Jesus didn't get discouraged when people weren't ready. I have felt so strongly the last, well, since the beginning of the year, I felt so strongly that Jesus is calling me to be more on mission than I've ever been in my life, and I'm aware that because when I share Jesus, so often I get a meh, or I get a no, or I get a change of subject or whatever. And so because I don't see the results I'm desiring, I've gotten discouraged, and I think I haven't been sharing with people as often as I need to or as Jesus would like me to. I haven't taken opportunities as often as I should because I've gotten discouraged when people aren't ready. Do you know that all Jesus asks us to do is to plant seeds? And, and what Paul said is sometimes we plant seeds and then somebody else comes in and waters and sometimes there's a third person or a fourth person or a fifth person that gets to reap the harvest. All we're called to do is plant seeds. And there's this beautiful account in Mark chapter 10, and, and this time I'm going to read some of this if you want to follow along in your Bible. Mark chapter 10. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
wow, nobody's ever done that to me. Nobody has ever run up to me and said, Russ, Pastor Russ, I know you know the scriptures. What do I got to do to get saved? Man, talk about an open door, okay? Now, all Jesus has to do is close the deal, and he's golden, right? Because this guy wants to get saved. Awesome. And so, so Jesus starts, starts interacting with him. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, don't cheat anybody, honor your father and mother. This is what you've got to do. And, and this man says, teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And then I love this sentence. If you've got your Bible open, look at it, highlight it. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Again, here's this intersection of listening with love. There, it's, it's all interconnected. Jesus loved this guy who just wanted to get into the kingdom. And so Jesus said, and here's the prophetic word, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Jesus raised the bar. Whoo! And verse 22 says, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. He wasn't ready. Was Jesus a failure? Did Jesus stop fishing for people because he got discouraged? No. But it's so easy for me to get discouraged. I think one of the things we can learn from this account in Jesus' life is not only to not get discouraged, but, but listen, this is so important. It is enough to get people loved, even if we don't get them saved. It's enough. If we can love well, it's enough. You can just wait to see if somebody else waters those seeds and might bring a harvest. Jesus didn't get discouraged when people weren't ready. Okay, here's the fourth thing. And again, this one is so important. Jesus asked powerful questions. Jesus asked powerful questions. There's an account of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now, let me, let me set this, this story up for you because you might not be familiar with it. This is found at the end of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has been crucified. The events of that week were horrific. Jesus was crucified. He was taken down from the cross. He was laid in a tomb, and then three days later, he rose from the dead, which understandably created an incredible stir in the city of Jerusalem. Everybody was talking. Everybody was wondering what in, what in the world has just happened. And, and two disciples, Luke doesn't tell us who they are, but two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to the city of Emmaus. And Jesus joins them on the walk, but they don't recognize him. Jesus has already risen from the dead. They don't recognize Jesus, and he just joins them. Now, here's the deal. Jesus knew 
everything that had already happened because he lived through it. Well, he died through it and then he rose again through it. But, but he, he knew everything that they were talking. They were just chattering about the events that had happened. And, and Jesus joins them on the walk. And the first thing he says is, what are you discussing so intently on this walk? What are you, what are you talking about? So they tell him, haven't you heard about all the stuff that's going on in, in Jerusalem? Haven't you heard about these things? I mean, it's incredible. He follows up with another question. He says, what things? Now, it's, it's, it's not that Jesus is playing stupid, okay? He's asking powerful questions because he wants to lead the disciples to a conclusion of understanding what all of the things they've experienced mean. And the, the end of this account says, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, this, this conversation could have gone completely differently, okay? Imagine with me if it had gone differently, and instead of asking questions, Jesus just decided to make it about his own experience, which is what a lot of times we do. Okay? What if they were walking along and Jesus joins them on the walk and, and, and they're talking and, and Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? And he goes, haven't you heard about all the events that have happened? And Jesus goes, boy, I know. I know all about those events. I was the one on the cross, you know. The conversation would have been completely different. Jesus asked powerful questions because he was leading the disciples into a place of discovery and understanding. And, and sometimes when we're having conversations with people, sometimes when we have conversations with people that don't know Jesus yet, family members, whatever, sometimes it's tempting for us to just give all the answers to people and jump the gun when what is going to work way better is to ask some powerful questions that's going to help them discover it themselves. Really, really important principle that we see in the life of Jesus. When you ask powerful questions, it, it makes people think. It also makes people feel like you care about them and you're interested in what they think about things. What if you ask a powerful question that leads people to some, some self-discovery about the lies they've believed and when they realize, when, it, when the light goes on in their own heads that I've believed a lie about myself, and instead of preaching to them, you just affirm that you're thinking differently now, and that's a good thing. That's powerful. I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about this principle this morning, and, and I was thinking about most of the really valuable things that I know about God and that I know about myself are things that I've discovered on my own. It hasn't been because somebody preached at me or shamed me or guilted me into believing stuff. And so when I ask powerful questions, it enables me to take people on a powerful journey of discovery. Now, I want, to, I, I want to share with you some principles about how to ask powerful questions, okay? How to ask powerful questions. You can, you can Google this term, powerful questions. It's actually a coaching term, and there's all kinds of things that, that go into powerful questions. I just want to share four things with you that we can use effectively in people fishing, okay? Powerful questions, this is the first thing I want you to know. Powerful questions will help people feel heard, It'll help people feel loved, 
and it will set them up to receive a revelation from the Lord. Does that make sense? That's, that's why I want to encourage you to ask powerful questions instead of just blurting out truth to people, okay? Ask questions. Help them feel heard, help them feel loved, help them set up to receive a word from the Lord. Here's the first thing about powerful questions. Powerful questions are open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are questions that can't be answered yes or no. So it means that if, if I'm going to ask somebody a question, I have to think more deeply than, what do you think of the weather today? Or, or um, do you like the rain? Okay. If I lead, if I say, Abby, do you like the rain? Yes. Conversation ended over. Okay. A, a, a more powerful question would be, Abby, what's your favorite kind of weather and why? Yeah, answer. She likes the rain because of all how cozy it feels. Now, she, she expressed her feelings and she jiggled her shoulders. That sets me up for a follow-up question, right? And I can go a little bit deeper because I started with an open-ended question instead of a yes or no question. Powerful questions are open-ended. Number two, powerful questions are personal and individualized. Powerful questions are questions that take into people's uniqueness, their experiences, their aspirations. It's, it's, it's cueing into who this person is, okay? Here's the trap we usually fall into. Once we start a conversation, a conversation especially with people we don't know very well, we usually like to tell them all about me, okay? So, so in my conversation here with Abby, she just told me about how cozy the rain makes her feel. I am tempted to say, I hate the rain because the sunshine makes me feel warm and happy. What have I done? I've just turned the conversation to myself, okay? Powerful questions are focused on the other person and their uniqueness and their personality. Here's the third thing. Powerful questions are engaging. You're looking for something that, that the other person is really, really interested in. You're, you're wanting to spark some curiosity both in yourself and the other person and, and take somebody on, on an adventure of thinking deeply about something. It's engaging. So my next step, if I were going to continue this conversation with Abby, I would, I would probably ask her something uh, about why she likes to be cozy and what that means and, 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 and what happens to you when you're in that cozy environment or something like that. You're, you're just trying to move the conversation into something they care deeply about. And then the last thing I'll share with you this morning is powerful questions are provocative. Powerful questions are provocative. They, they uh, challenge people's assumption. And a, 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 a provocative question will move somebody out of their comfort zone. Open-ended, personal and individualized, engaging, provocative. Now, let me, let me just illustrate this with a conversation that I had last week. Um... 
I wish I had had this conversation with the bird guy yesterday, because then it would be, that would have been awesome. But here's, here's the deal. Uh, many of you know that Chris's uh, father passed away a few weeks ago, and last week we were in southern Idaho for the celebration of life, and uh, two nights that we were down there, we had a huge family gathering at Judy's house. And it was, it was an awesome, awesome thing because uh, for the first time ever, we had all the kids, all of Judy and Tito's children, all of the grandchildren, all of the great-grandchildren, and all of the spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends, all together in one place. Chris counted 55 people. Now, here, here's something you might not know about me is I love having one-on-one -on -one conversations. I love teaching to a large group like this. I'm very comfortable like this. But what, when I get into a crowd of 55 people and I have to make small talk, I freak. And whenever we have these family gatherings in southern Idaho, I only get to see these people once or twice a year, and sometimes there's new girlfriends that have replaced the old girlfriends, and, and, and there's people that I know. There's people I know I should know their names, and I can't remember, and I just get this panic attack, you know. And so uh, the last few years, what my strategy has been in those, in those settings is I just find a chair in a corner and I let one or two people come to me and I just engage with a very small group of people. We have whoever comes to, whoever picks me, gets me. That's kind of been my, my, my strategy, okay? But I've been studying this stuff. I've been, I've been, and I've been teaching you how to love. And last, last week, Kelly did such a good job in sharing how, how we can prophesy to people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, I'm talking about listening powerfully. And, and last week when we were in Idaho, I'm thinking to myself, I have to practice. Otherwise, I'm a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite to all you guys. So I've got to practice. So I had my normal insecurity at the beginning of this gathering, and then I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the stuff. I'm going to engage somebody at this family gathering. And I, I, I looked around and I asked the Lord, um, I, I, I said, Lord, Who's my victim going to be? No, no, I didn't, I didn't really say that. But I looked around, and, and our niece Maddie uh, has a new, uh, a new man in her life, and I didn't know him. His name is Mondo, big, tall guy named Mondo, and I didn't know Mondo at all, and, and I noticed that he was sitting outside in a chair next to Maddie. Maddie was talking to all of the family members, and Mondo was just scrolling through his phone, and I thought, there's my opportunity. I'm going to go talk with Mondo. So I, I grabbed a chair and I set it down to Mondo. But before I grabbed the chair, I, I, I just stared at Mondo for a while and I said, Lord, give me a strategy. How am I going to start this? I have to start with an open-ended question. I mean, I'm going through this whole thought process. I have to start with a, a, an open-ended question. So what am I going to talk to Mondo about? Because I can't just open with, hey, Mondo, did you know Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? I, that, I'm not going to do that, okay? Strategies that don't work. So I, I looked at Mondo and I noticed he had a big piece of black athletic tape from his, from his heel all the way up to his knee. And, and I sat down next to him and I said, Mondo, I see you've got athletic tape on your, on your shin. What's going on? What, what's happened here? See how that was personal? It was open-ended and it took an interest in what's happened to him. And he shared with me that he and Maddie were riding skateboards uh, a few weeks ago, and he took a pretty bad spill and tore the ligaments in his ankle. And, and so that gave me all kinds of opportunities for open-ended questions. 
or, or, or for follow-up questions, I asked him about the extent of the injuries, and then I, one of the things I said is, so tell me a little bit about that athletic tape. I see athletes using it, but I, I don't really know what it does. And so then he goes in, and, and it was an affirmation that he knows some information that I don't know. Does that make sense? And so I, I just listened to Mondo for a while, and we talked for quite a while about skateboards and athletic tape. And, and as the conversation is going on, then I'm, I'm asking the Lord, just silently in my mind, God, how do, how do I bridge into talking about Jesus? I, I want to talk about Jesus with Mondo. Jesus, give me a bridge. And all of a sudden, I, my eyes focused on this big, heavy gold chain that he was wearing with a big, giant crucifix, but the Jesus had fallen off. And I could see the little weld marks on the gold where the Jesus had been. I knew it was a crucifix, but the Jesus was missing. And I thought, thank you, Lord. You're giving me an opportunity. So I said, Mondo, I see you're wearing a crucifix, but Jesus is missing. What happened to Jesus? <laughs> and I'm in. So he told me the story about how Jesus had fallen off his crucifix. It was a big, long, complicated story. And then I'm, I'm, I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, give me, give me a word for Mondo. G give me a prophetic word for Mondo. And that very day as we were driving in the car, Nikki had read all of Romans chapter 8 to us in the car. And my favorite verse in Romans chapter 8 is verse 11 that says, if the spirit of the, if, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And I said, Mondo. He, he, he said, I've got the Jesus and I'm gonna try to glue it back on. I gotta I got fix this. I said, Mondo, I love that the Jesus is missing from your cross. You know why? He goes, why? I said, because Jesus is alive. And I said, Jesus, and, and here's what the Bible says, is if, the living Jesus lives in you. He's going to give you the same resurrection life and power that, 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 that he raised Jesus from the dead. And I was all excited. And then the conversation got weird and he changed the topic. <laughs> so he wasn't ready. I didn't pray the sinner's prayer with Mondo. But I planted some seeds. Okay, you see, you see how it works? So people fishing is going to be about listening, loving, sharing a word from the Lord. Now, this week we have this awesome opportunity to engage with students at Catapalooza. So uh, for those of you that are going to be there, and for the 15 more that are going to sign up today, <laughs> I want to tell you very specifically how we're going to do that this week. Um, our team has worked very hard at, at developing a system to make it easier for you to make conversation with students at Catapalooza. And here's how it's going to go. We have, a, uh, we have a list of questions that you can use or not. You can throw them out if they don't work for you. But one of the things we know 
is at Catapalooza. If you've ever been there, we will have a booth. We're giving away donuts because we are the donut church. Everybody in town knows we're the donut church. So we're giving away donuts. We're going to keep it real simple. In previous years, we've given away coffee and donuts, and it's a big mess. So we're just having donuts on skewers, and we're giving them to the students and trying to engage them in conversation. But here's one of the things that we've struggled with in the past years. Most of the time, students come, they grab a donut, and they just take off and and it's almost impossible to engage in any conversation. So Tosh made these wonderful stickers for us, for Catapalooza, to start a conversation with people. What kind of donut are you? And all of the folks that are serving donuts at our Catapalooza tent are gonna wear this sticker, what kind of a donut are you? And what we're, uh, our, the general rule that we're gonna go by is if somebody engages with me, then I'm gonna launch into a conversation that hopefully can end up with sharing the love of Jesus in some fashion with them, okay? So the first question will be, what kind of donut are you with the sticker? But you don't even have to ask the question. Do you see how big the sticker is? Okay, our, 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 our tent has a big banner on it that says Jesus Hearts Donuts, okay? So we're just, we're just using donuts as a tool to start a conversation, okay? You get it? So if a student says, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a chocolate glazed donut, okay? Then here's your next question. Follow-up question about their self-perception, okay? And, and you're going to say, why do you think that? Why, why would you, what makes you say you're a chocolate glazed donut? How are you like a chocolate glazed donut? There's your, there's your follow-up question, okay? And then there, you're, you're going you're to kind of mine a little bit. You're going to ask questions. You're going to ask powerful questions to get to the idea of, of what's your identity, what are you all about? What makes you tick? Okay, there's a reason why chocolate makes you tick. Okay? There's a reason why sprinkles make you tick. Okay, I would be a sprinkle-covered donut. Okay? Because I love to have fun. Now, I turned the conversation about me. That's against the rules. Don't talk about yourself. Keep engaging about them. You with me? Here's your third question. Do you think Jesus created you that way? Now we've introduced the idea of Jesus and how Jesus created you and your identity in Jesus. Now, here we're at a crossroads. Here we're at a moment of real power, okay? Because this conversation can go one of two ways. It could start an argument. It could start a debate. It could start a tit for tat. And we could say, oh, I don't agree with you. Or my politics don't agree with you. Or that's not, that's not what Jesus thinks of you. Okay, here's our strategy. I'm going back to the very beginning. Here's our strategy. We listen. We listen. And we ask more questions. We don't judge. We don't give advice. We listen and we try to lead people to an encounter with Jesus. Now, if you have a conversation with somebody and their identity is, is all messed up and they believe a bunch of crazy things about themselves, listen, by debating with them, you're not gonna change their mind. Your strategy has got to be to get them to Jesus. 
And when they encountered Jesus, when they encountered Jesus, Jesus is going to heal them. And all of that self-perception that is, is all messed up, Jesus will work with them to heal that. What they need is healing, not a lecture. So I can't stress this enough. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Listen. Don't argue. Don't debate. It's pointless. Just listen and love them and introduce them to Jesus. You could ask, this is my fourth question that that you could use. And again, you can take these or leave these. Fourth question might be, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? You've already started talking about Jesus by asking if Jesus made you that way. Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? And then, uh, as Kelly illustrated last week, um, if if the Lord is giving you a word for this person, um, and and you just have this, if, if you just know God is speaking to you, start with saying, I've been practicing listening to God. And could I share with you what I think he's saying to you today? Does this make sense? Do you think you could do this? One person said, yeah. I'm not going to lie. This makes me super uncomfortable. But I believe Jesus is calling us to be more effective people fishers. So we're going to try. We're going to plant seeds. Let's see what Jesus does. Last week, share, uh, I forgot your name. Kelly. <laughs> Good thing she's not my wife. <laughs> my brain is just going a million miles an hour. Last week, Kelly, man, Kelly gave us such a powerful example of prophesying to people. If you were here, um, she did something that was incredibly brave. She passed out numbers to everybody, and then she asked the Lord to give her a number and give her a word for the number. And she prefaced the the whole experience by saying, now listen, whenever you're prophesying to somebody, you have to let them know that you're practicing and you're not perfect. And sometimes we hear imperfectly. And then Kelly shared what the Lord had given her and, uh, and the word he gave her was clearly for somebody else because it was about somebody's occupation and a child stood up and, and that prophecy wasn't for him. Now, the reason why I say it was beautiful and, and it was good was because Kelly was stepping way outside of her comfort zone because she was prophesying for somebody she had no idea who it was. That is so brave, and it takes a huge amount of faith. When you follow a script like this Catapalooza script here, it's going to be easier. When I was talking to Mondo, it was easier because I had spent enough time engaged in conversation that I had a little bit of a clue to who he was. And I had some time to ask Jesus, could you give me a word specifically for this person? 
okay? And, and so I, I just wanted to share that with you. This is so scary. But if we don't practice, we're never going to get good at it. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you're afraid, and if you're like me, I don't like to be wrong. I like to be right about everything. Just ask my daughter and my wife. If you're afraid to make a mistake, listen, faith forces you to step out of your comfort zone and take a risk. But no risk, no reward. What if you take a risk and you read somebody's mail at Catapalooza and they get healed by Jesus? Great rejoicing in heaven, right? Great rejoicing next week at Connect. It's amazing. It could be amazing. It will be amazing. Okay, we have 10 minutes left to our scheduled time. Are you all doing okay time-wise? Okay, because I have two more things I want to do. I wanted to demonstrate a conversation using powerful conversations. And then JD is going to come and give us some information about Catapalooza and how you can be involved. And uh, a conversation could take a little while. I'll try to limit it to about five minutes or six minutes. Are you okay? Can, can I just have a conversation with somebody so you can see what powerful question, how they, how they work? Because I've been practicing this for a while. And, um, and I, want to, I want to have a conversation with somebody that I don't know really well, okay? So, um, and I didn't, I didn't warn anybody that I was gonna do this. So if I call your name and you say no, I'm okay with that, okay? Um, but we're just gonna try this. And the person that is just highlighted to me today is Russell. Would, would you have a conversation with me, Russell? All right, come on up. Come on up. You're gonna be on TV, awesome. You are. Okay, there's a microphone for you. You have to hold it fairly close to your mouth, okay, so that everybody can hear. You can talk loud. Now, Russell, you've been coming to Connect for how long? Probably four or five months. Okay. And uh, you and I, we visit most Sundays. Yes, sir. But our conversation usually centers around giggling because we both have the same name. Right. And there's not many of us. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so you and I just don't know each other very well. No. Nope. So I'm just going to walk through this and see, see what happens. Okay? So what kind of donut are you? <laughs> All kinds. But I love plain. <laughs> you love plain? Plain donuts. Okay. Why would you say you are a plain donut? What does that say about your personality and your character? I guess you can be funny sometimes or, you know. Sometimes you can feel like you're chocolate instead of plain, but I don't know. So what I hear you saying is... I'm very quiet, you know, so... You're quiet. Me, yeah. So plain kind of describes how quiet you are, but sometimes you're chocolate. Yeah. Okay? How, what would chocolate have to do with your personality and character, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like you're kind of a, just a plain guy? No, sir. You're not plain. What, what, what word describes who you are? 
believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. Care for people. Care for people. Come to church on Sundays. Yeah. These are these are your bedrock things. Mm-hmm. You you love Jesus. Right. You care for people. Come to church on Sundays. Did Jesus make you that way? Yes, sir. Okay. How has he shaped you, Russell? Trying to become a better Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, just, just believing in God and listen. Listen to him. Yes. And you, do you hear him speak to you? Sometimes, not all the time. Okay. That's, that's very powerful. Has he been saying anything to you recently that you're aware of? Uh, no, sir, not really. Okay. Um, try to be a better man to my family yeah. and others. Okay. Was there a time, Russell, in your life when you weren't walking with Jesus? Yes, sir. Okay. What happened to turn you around? Just being in the wrong time in the wrong place. And uh, I was married to a woman that uh, her brother was a missionary. And we just sat down in a swing set when I was young and talked about Jesus. And that's when I became, you know, a follower. And, and so you made a decision? Yes, sir. At that moment? At that moment. And then, of course, it took a little bit longer. Um, I was raised Catholic. Okay. And then I became a Baptist. Okay. And now, of course, I love this church here. But um, talking to the other people and then listening to the pastor, I finally be- decided to get baptized. Okay. And become a Christian. Did you encounter Jesus when you were baptized? Yes, sir. Was that a powerful moment in your life? Very much. Okay. What happened to you after baptism? Well, the other people come up and greeted me and told me congratulations, and I started feeling better in my life and uh, wanted to do more for God. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Can I share with you what I, what I think God is saying to you in this moment? Yes, sir. Okay. Russell, I believe God wants you to know that you may be plain, but you're not ordinary. He created you the way you are, and he has been shaping you over time, many experiences, many things he's said to you, You've walked a long path of obedience. And Russell, there is more for you. There's more for you now and there's more for you in the future that will not be ordinary. There's something extraordinary coming for you in this next season of your life. Amen. Now that wasn't particularly specific. (laughs) but I hope it encourages your heart.
because I think you're very special. Thank you. And I think my affection for you, even though I don't know you very well, Russell, I think my affection reflects the affection that God has for you. Amen. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for participating with me. I know it's awkward. Yes, it is. <laughs> you're awesome. Okay. Hey, that was six minutes. You think you can do that? Okay. Oh, I see a few shaking heads. No, you can do this. JD, come on up and let's, and let's just share with people how they can get involved with Catapalooza. All right, guys. So as Russ mentioned earlier, the best way to sign up for Catapalooza is through the app. So if you don't have the app, you'll need to download that before you can sign up. Uh, when you do so, you'll have uh, four different signups that you can actually sign up for. There is the setup from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. And then our two greeting spots during the actual event uh, between 10 and 3 and then tear down from 3 to 5. We had about 15 people sign up last Sunday and a good majority of our greeter spots have been filled up. Awesome. We did not have anyone who decided that they wanted to help with setup. And I had two people sign up for teardown. So that is our biggest need right now. It's, uh, what a great opportunity for introverts. Exactly. You don't, you don't have to worry about having this what donut conversation. Uh, <laughs> if that frightens you, that's okay. We can, we can always get you in next year. Um, but there are still some spots open for greeters if you feel like God is challenging you and kind of putting that on your heart like, okay, I need to be there. Let's make this happen. So sign up, please, if that is you. Uh, but yes, that is our biggest need right now is for setup and teardown. It's going to be super easy. It's more just the fact that it takes time why we need more people because many hands make light work. Um, we don't know where the booth is going to be until we register. And last year it was uh, right at the top of the hill. And so parking was difficult. We were lugging up a bunch of stuff up the hill and then walking back down the hill. And it was very exhausting doing it with just the couple of people that we had. So it's not difficult. Um, it, it's going to be a very easy setup. We tried to streamline most of our process this year for that exact reason. Uh, and then the same thing for teardown at the end. It just makes it easier if we have more people. So if that's something that you have the ability to do, I know work schedules are kind of uh, interesting on Fridays, so don't feel uh, like you have to take off work to make this happen. But who knows? Maybe that's something. Please do take off work. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> Please do take I'll off ask. Work. <laughs> Russ will ask. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that. I... Tell us about the Thursday night thing, because I think that's Ooh, important. Yes. Thursday night, that will be this coming Thursday, right before the event, we are going to be doing a dinner here in the back room for all who are going to be serving, just to get you guys up to snuff on everything that's gonna be happening, all of the, the setup, what it's gonna look like, uh, as well as any extra like uh, food safety stuff that we have to talk about, because this is a sponsored MSU event, so they have very strict guidelines that we need to follow. Uh, and so this is just our way of Thanking you guys, we're going to have Mr. Burritos provided, so we'll have dinner, we'll get the fellowship together and pray together, make sure that we're all well and equipped before we come in on Friday. So 
That's going to be at 6 o'clock, I believe. If I want to yes. be a greeter and I haven't signed up yet, is, is there still space? Yes. There, there, we'll always welcome more people. Uh, some of the people who put in theirs, it's, it's more helpful for us in putting people uh, where we still have spots if you put in a range of places that you can serve. Because then if we have a surplus here, we can kind of reallocate our resources that way. So, but yes, we can always use more greeters. Okay. Any questions from all of you? Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank guys. you. Thanks, JD. Okay. Let's wrap this up. I have two homework items for you. Um, yes, two. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going for a minute. Number one, uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked you to watch the movie Jesus Revolution. I see some heads nodding. Okay. Such an empowering movie. I believe that we are on the cusp of another Jesus revolution. So if you haven't watched that movie, please watch it. It's, it is really speaking to me in this season. And then there's another movie we want to ask you to watch this week before Friday, especially if you're serving at Catapalooza. Would you watch the movie called Finger of God? That's the right title, right? Finger of God. This is a documentary about people who are doing just exactly what we've been talking about, okay? Powerful, powerful ministers that are speaking prophetically to this generation. And so if you just want some examples of what this looks like in real life, and let me tell you, they are out there. So it, it, is, it is challenging, but it is worth the watch and asking God, what are you calling me to do? You might not be called to do what they're doing, but it's going to help you think about what God is doing in this, in this season, okay? Finger of God. Now, here's your last homework assignment. If you have time to do this today, it would be awesome. If you have time to do this now, I'd like you to practice having a conversation, asking powerful questions. I'd like to suggest that today, before you leave this place, you find somebody you don't know well, and just sit down and have a five-minute conversation and practice asking powerful questions. If you can't do it today, practice with somebody in the next day or two. It doesn't come easy. You have to sit down and practice. And you can even say to somebody, I want to practice asking powerful questions. Do you mind if I just practice on you? Okay? Do it on a family member. Do it on a coworker. It's best if you practice with somebody you don't know very well because it pushes you a little out of your comfort zone and it, it helps you to really listen to how God is leading. But I want to ask you, practice, okay? And, and I think you're going to be surprised at what the Lord does. Make sense? Stand with me, would you? We're going to pray and then we'll let you go. Jesus, you're awesome. And I feel like you have just been communicating to me all day that you are walking with us. And so although we're going to step out of our comfort zone, we trust, Jesus, that you are walking with us. We don't have to be afraid. We'll be uncomfortable. But you're going to be with us. And the most powerful thing is you said that because we're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to give us the words to say so we can trust that you will do that. So use us, God. I want to pray specifically for the folks that are going to be serving at Catapalooza on Friday. God, we pray for a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in our booth. 
We pray, Lord, for the other churches that are going to be at Catapalooza and the other student organizations. I pray for Chi Alpha. God, I pray that they will have a powerful impact on students. I pray for Summit Church. I pray for Venture Church. I pray for Journey Church. I pray for Revelation Church. They'll all have booths at Catapalooza. I pray, Lord, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that MSU students that are coming in, so many of them don't have any idea who Jesus is. Reveal yourself, Jesus, through those of us who are there seeking to bring healing to people who are hurting. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're not going to have worship here at the end because I want you to have some conversations. So talk, and uh, we'll see you next week, if not before.